Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, the Alpha, the Omega, Jesus Christ, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. We need to hear more sermons about that. The church needs to address this more directly. People need to hear what God has to say about this. Chances are good you have a topic in mind, an idea that you've thought of, that you have thought about with phrases like that. We need to hear more about that at church. Chances are pretty good that that topic, that idea is not demonic possession. Is that fair? By my count, five times in the Gospel of Luke, Luke records instances where Jesus confronts evil spirits, also known as demons. Five times Jesus comes face to face with pure evil and he confronts it. This is something Luke wants us to think about and know about, but how often do we? When was the last time you lay awake at night worrying not about your taxes, not about your finances, not about school, not about your job, worrying about demons? When was the last time you were going through a tough time, you were really stressed out, you were anxious, but it brought you comfort to think, ah, Jesus can cast out demons. When was the last time that happened? My goal for you today, my prayer for you today, is by the time we are, we are done talking, by the end of this service, you will have tons of reasons based on this account from Luke to have confidence, to have courage, and to have peace because Jesus confronts demons. In a 2009 survey of about more, well, more than 4,000 Christian teens, so these are young people who are already Christians, born and raised usually, only 58%, roughly half, said that they believe that Satan is real. Just over half of 4,000 Christians in 2009 said that Satan is real. And when they were asked what they believe about demons, they were all over the board. They could hardly give a straight answer. Why the confusion? And you might say, well, that's an old study, 2009. That's already a long time ago. But if you were a teenager in 2009, where are you now? You're my age. <laughs> You're in your 30s-ish. And I can't imagine that attitudes have changed a whole lot. How can that happen, that people who are born and raised Christian, people who say that they love the Bible, people who have read the Gospel of Luke probably still don't know what to make of demons, of Satan, and all that stuff. I mean, God, Luke records it for us, records five accounts of Jesus confronting demons. He presents this as a fact. This is something that happened in Luke's day. He's not gonna, he doesn't feel the need to explain it. It's just something that occurred. And so he records it for us as history. And if you think about the people living in the region of the Gerasenes, the region just across the Sea of Galilee where Jesus sailed to on this day, not believing in evil spirits was not an option, was it? They saw this man dramatically tormented by demons, naked, shameful, embarrassing, driven off to live in graves, disgusting, disgusting, 
and also shameful. Isolated by himself, robbed of community, robbed of encouragement, robbed of family. What a terrible life. That was such a a straightforward way to see evil in its purest form. They had no choice. They could not ignore the reality of spiritual evil. Maybe part of why we don't think of it that often is because it doesn't seem to happen that often in modern America. We are an advanced people with modern issues, modern problems. I'm too busy worrying about my kids and my job and my education and the the nation and the world. You want to add one more thing? I'm supposed to worry about spiritual forces that, that desire my demise? That seems like too much. I'm already overwhelmed. But Luke is pretty straightforward, isn't he? These forces exist. They're out there. But Satan is fine if we ignore him. That's fine with him. Because then he can just do his thing in secret. You probably don't like hearing about conspiracy theories. You probably don't enjoy it when your neighbor has to tell you or wants to tell you about all these secret societies, celebrities doing terrible things behind closed doors. Part of why you don't like it probably is because you don't think it's necessarily true. But here Luke is in his gospel exposing a spiritual conspiracy. Satan and his demons are conspiring for your demise. They want your destruction, just like they did for this man. And how they do it is exactly the same way, whether it's in public or in private. They want to get you on your own, They want to make you feel ashamed. They want to rob you of Christian company and encouragement and fellowship. They want you to feel like God's not for you, just like this man felt. But Satan can do that without you recognizing that he exists. He sure can. And he's also fine if we regulate him just to entertainment. You maybe watch a couple movies that detail the way he works and what he does, And you watch those for a little bit of a spook, an adrenaline rush, and then you put it away. You don't think about it. Satan is fine if you have an unhealthy interest in the way that he works. Maybe you get on a Wikipedia article and you just keep reading about satanic rituals and stuff like that. And you can sense in yourself a little bit of an unhealthy interest. Satan's cool with that. He's also totally fine if we sit completely afraid of him, frozen in place, without anywhere to go. Satan will take what he can get. But make no mistake, brothers and sisters, Luke's purpose in sharing this account with us is not to scare us straight, and it's not to entertain. Luke has a very serious point for us to walk away from this account, because Jesus likely confronted demons a lot more often than just five times, but Luke chose his stories carefully. Luke and God, through Luke, wants us to know that this evil is out there, and this evil is something that's greater than we can handle. And I think, brothers and sisters, to be honest, that's why we don't like talking about it. I think that's why we don't like thinking about it. Because all of our problems that we fixate on, we usually kind of kid ourselves that there's something we can do about it. You got problems with your finances, you can work harder, or someone can give you a financial gift, or you know, the tides can turn somehow. you got problems with your relationships. Maybe you can come up with something to say to repair that relationship. But demons, pure evil, this is different than someone out there doing something tragic 
and affecting a lot of people, but at least you can look at their psychology and explain how they got to where they're at. No, demons exist just for causing harm for its own sake. And that's not something you can argue with. You can't convince. That's not something you can point a gun at and shoot. That's not something you can puff your chest up and intimidate away. No, demons are stronger than you. And so it's terrifying, but it's also humiliating because who of us likes to admit that we are up against forces that we cannot handle? But that's part of the point. This man, he could not handle what was happening to him. There was nothing he could do. So he was in a perfect place to see his Savior. Imagine you go to New York City, and you're having a good time. You're staying at a hotel. You're going to meet up some friends at a restaurant. So you leave your hotel. You decide to walk it. It's a bit of a long walk. So you go to the restaurant. You meet them. You have a, a, a lovely evening, a pleasant evening. And then when, when it's all said and done, you walk back to your hotel. And while you're waiting at one of the intersections for the walk light to turn, you notice that someone is looking right at you. And they're kind of creepy. So you keep walking. You pick up your pace a little bit. You notice that they're walking behind you. They're picking up their pace as well. Now you're starting to get very nervous. You start to power walk or lightly jog, and they seem to do the same until you reach a police station. You go into the station. You tell them what's happening. You're being followed by someone who you are sure wants your ill. The police officers surround you to protect you. One of them goes outside to meet your assailant, and he won't leave you alone, so they arrest him, they take him away, and if that weren't enough, they offer to post two officers at the front of your hotel door all night to make sure no one bothers you. You knew you would probably be no match for that man if he caught up to you, but that's okay, because you found someone more powerful who could take care of you. Today is Father's Day. I noticed that my son, now that he is four, he likes to tell me that he isn't afraid of anything. And I know that's a lie because I've, I've gone to his room when he's crying because he had a terrible nightmare about some unforeseen evil force, right? A big bad monster. But why isn't my four-year-old walking around day after day absolutely terrified of everything that could go wrong? It's because he trusts his parents. It's because he knows that he has a dad that is a little bit stronger than him. I'm not trying to brag. <laughs> he knows that he would be no match for all the dangers in the world. He knows that. He can admit that. So why can't we? We can admit that we would, be no ch we would stand no chance if face-to-face -face with pure evil, evil in its greatest form. Why can we admit that? Because the power to face evil does not come from us but from Jesus. That's Luke's point in sharing this account with us. Just look. You gotta love the way that the demons have to respond when Jesus comes to town, right? What do they do? They're begging. They're pleading. Jesus, don't torture us. They sound pathetic. And that's the point. Yeah, demons are more powerful than you. But look at how they compare to the Son of the Most High. They have to recognize who they're up against. 
And to be honest, brothers and sisters, I don't have an answer for why the thing with the pigs. The least that we can say is that these are details that actually happened. Luke includes them in the story because that's what happened. But I can't give you a direct reason why they wanted to go into the pigs, why they wanted to run off the side of a cliff. It seems kind of silly, doesn't it, reading it off the page? But isn't it part of this bigger picture of the whole account of how pathetic and wimpy and stupid and futile, even evil in its purest form, is before Jesus, the Son of the Most High, the Son of God, God Almighty himself. And that, brothers and sisters, is your Jesus. He is your squad of police officers that is surrounding you. You are wrapped up. The moment you were baptized, you were wrapped up in the loving embrace of your most powerful Jesus Christ. And as infinite as his strength and power are, so infinite is his love. You know how you know? Because why is he here in the Gerizines? Because he wants to save this one man from his demonic possession. Yeah, but think about it even more clearly. Why is Jesus in a body that is stepping foot on planet Earth? It's because he's completing the work of saving you from all spiritual evil, from sin, from death, from the power of the devil. That's what Jesus is doing even while he helps this one individual. So like the Son of God, God Most High, took time out of his schedule to help a man who was suffering, that's the love he has for you, brothers and sisters. And you see that love, you see that power as he goes to the cross to suffer and die to put the nails in, to crush the serpent's head, to deliver the canceling blow to evil, and to guarantee that your name is written in the book of life and God's name has been put on you. You are God's dear child. You are children of the Heavenly Father. And Satan and any demon, they have no claim over you. They cannot touch you because of the power of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it would be scary. Yeah, you wouldn't stand a chance if face-to-face -face with evil in its purest form. But thanks to Jesus, you will never be in that position. So this man is finally healed. Somebody brings him a set of clothes. And how do the people respond? Isn't this weird? They're scared of Jesus. They do not conclude that he is on the good side. They must think, probably, that Jesus drove these demons out because maybe he's just a bigger, badder demon. Boy, did they get that wrong. But the man himself, he gets it. He looks at Jesus and he sees his Savior. He understands who Jesus is because he's looking clearly at what Jesus has done. And he says, Jesus, I want to hang out with you, dude. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. Let me go with you. And Jesus says, no. Can you imagine? Jesus, just let him go with you. But Jesus has something more important for the man to do. Go. Simply tell what God has done for you. Such a simple idea, right? All Jesus wants the man to do is share what had happened that day. And it seems like 
that's super simple, but this man has enough content, he's got enough material to keep him talking for the rest of his life, doesn't he? Because Jesus has changed his life. He's given him his life back. He's delivered him from spiritual darkness into life. And doesn't that sound familiar? What has Jesus done for you? He has changed your life. He has given you your life back. He has delivered you from spiritual darkness into life. So go. All you got to do is share what God has done for you. I think one of the obstacles to sharing our faith is when we accidentally, perhaps, make Jesus into a small Savior. If Jesus is just a mentor, a financial guru, someone who's here to give you some fun stuff to think about, to make your life just those couple notches better, then it's hard to come up with something to talk about. You know you should share your faith, but if Jesus is a small savior in your eyes, how do I make this apply to someone else? But through this account from Luke, when we see what dangers, what threats are really out there, when we see how we face those threats, if we did, we would be totally destroyed. But that Jesus has saved us from death and from destruction, and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's quite a bit of material, isn't it? That's quite a bit of comfort. Brothers and sisters, I would hate it, and Luke would too, if you walked away from this text afraid. If you thought about, thought, could only think about how dangerous and how much of a threat demons are and how they're real. It's part of it, but always, 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 brothers and sisters, go back to how much more powerful Jesus is than any threat. How infinite his power and might are and how just as infinite is his love. He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. Normalize thinking about spiritual stuff. Normalize talking about what's really out there because then we can realize together how much we are loved, how safe we are in the embrace of Christ, and how he lives to protect us. He lives to guard us. He lives to bless us and love us every day and to calm our fears and to dry our tears. That's enough to talk about. Simply tell what God has done for you. Amen.